Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello and welcome to Podcast 143. I'm Dan Moylan. I've got with me Michael Normanson. Hello. And Moscow White's here, Daniel Chapman. Hello. So issue one of the fanzine was out for Forest. You can get that online. It will also be on sale at the next couple of home games at Ellen Road. Best way to get hold of one, though, subscription for the entire season. So it lands on your doormat on sale now on the website. Digital subs, cheapest chips, the best value as well. Everything you need is at the squareball.net. Right, Forest game. If you want to hear our immediate post-game reaction, have a listen to our previous podcast, The Match Ball, which is available for free on this feed. And it, doing it this way gives us a great chance to see exactly what it was that we got wrong. Did we get much wrong? Not massively, I don't think. We were may- I think we were maybe, I don't know, were we maybe a little harsh on Patrick? I mean, Bielsa was being quite harsh about him at the same time as we were talking. But- we are talking a lot about uh, chances missed and how... Forrest managed to score from their only chance and we needed 10, which sounded like quite a, a sulky way of putting it. We, we need 10 to score. You do it with one. Not fair. Um, and I don't know who else you would uh, point the finger of blame, shame, scapegoating and uh, barracking and general abuse at other than Pat. Fair enough then. Let's lay into him some more. I think the one that I felt, the, the chance where he tried to lob it over the goalkeeper, the touch and the build-up to that was actually very nice. So I thought, well done, Pat. You've done that well when I watched it back. Uh, but yeah, he should have scored. And the one, the one that was the real sitter was where it um, Harrison was down the left, crossed it in, and it, it broke to him. And it was a slightly difficult height, but it was more or less a tap-in because the goal was gaping at both sides. It just needed something to on target, really, and it would probably have gone in. Yeah, I saw somebody, and I can't remember who, I'm sorry, tweeted that uh, there was an exchange. Somebody said that it was, it was quite a difficult chance the way it came to him, the way it was bouncing up. But then... We pay him, uh, somebody pointed out, we pay him £35,000 a week or whatever it is to finish difficult chances. Like, we could get somebody for half the price to do the easy ones and we're paying that kind of money so that the difficult ones go in the net. And it was the one in the the first half that frustrated me. One, because I think I, I said on the match ball that it was the perfect time if we'd scored, we're flying. Watching it again, you could see he wanted that on his left foot. He didn't trust his right foot to, to swing at it. But then his first touch just put it even more onto his right foot. It wasn't the touch. If he had touched it inside and put it on his left foot, he would probably would have had an empty goal just to slide the ball into because everybody would have been wrong-footed. Instead, he just set himself even wider. He actually, it was a decent attempt with the outside of his left boot to try and finish, but he was, he was never going to score past the keeper from there. So he'd... He, he did himself wrong, Pat. And you're right, like, outside the box, like, the way he uh, he set up that chance for the lob was brilliant. 
and the touch for our goal was a little bit shady because he he is often slow coming back from being offside and he was so slow coming back that he was probably offside in the build-ups to that goal. But the touch was good. So, you know, if he bought himself the extra time by cheating. And then, uh, so, so there was all those kind of good things, but something just whenever he's, whenever he's uh, north or south of the penalty spot, he just seems to malfunction. As we said on the extra ball, we don't mind so much when we cheat and we benefit from it. Like Forrest last year, for example, other team, it's infuriating. Oz, it's fine. I mean, I'm yet to see a, a conclusive angle for this offside. Admittedly, I've not tried to search for uh, for evidence of us benefiting from referees' decisions. It's not conclusive, I don't think. But knowing how slow he is coming back offside, I'd say, like, I would have flagged him just because he's Pat Bamford and he's slow. Like the goal, uh, not the goal, but the chance in the first half, the one that he should have just hit, he timed his run very well, but he was he wanders beyond the last man. And on that occasion, he got back and, and timed his run well. This time, I think, was one of the many occasions when he just didn't quite time it correctly. So, but if Lewis Graben can absolutely rugby tackle uh, Liam Cooper in the build-up to Forrest getting a corner for their goal, then I think um, Patrick Bamford could probably have taken out a, a 12-ball shotgun and shot some pheasants in, uh, in their penalty area and not been uh, called for it. Forrest's goal as well was handball. Not, on, not in old rules, but new rules are, the new VAR rules, that if it if a goal is scored by hitting an arm, it doesn't count. Was it his arm? I would say so. I'd it say felt it was his upper arm. It felt but chesty to me. I would chesty say, shoulder. I would say also that under new VAR rules, our goal gets disallowed for offside. So you know, VAR is terrible. I think we can all agree on that. So let's. I suppose let's not yearn for it. Looking at their goal in um, detail, though, it's telling how nobody did anything right. Even Graben was trying to kick the ball into the net, and he just completely missed. Their player tried to shoot and ended up just kicking it at Graben's arm, chest, whatever it went in. I don't know how we stop it because there's there's the argument of uh, it's a goal where we we missed Pontus, we missed him heading the brick clear, but the ball came into the six yard box between Calvin Phillips' legs. So I don't know if it was uh, somebody at the near post might have headed it away before it got that far, or if it just it came in kind of low anyway. Maybe we're just going to accept we're going to be shit at defending set pieces. Well, yeah, it wasn't really a created chance, was it? It was just a thing, a series of events that led to a goal. No, at no point of Forest practice that. <laughs> Do you reckon on second viewing that um, Calvin should have been sent off? Not really. He could have been. Like, we, we were lucky, uh, given the referee's all-round demeanour, that he wasn't. But I would have probably argued that he shouldn't have been if he had, if that makes sense. It's a pretty bad tackle, but he never... Uh, like the Forest one, when he was sent off last year... It wasn't one way, it wasn't a Roy Keane where he's seen Alfie Harland and he's gone, I'm going to snap your pelvis. It's just, he's gone, oh, I can get the ball here. Oh, no, I can't. And now my legs are just spinning in the air and I appear to have kicked this guy and I'm really sorry. So it would have been harsh, but also it wouldn't have been surprising. Those decisions then, as we run through them, Dallas kicked, that should have been a penalty, shouldn't it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Definitely. I think the Costa one as well, where he was shoved as he went into the box. There's, there, was, there were two on Costa that looked kind of similar on the face of it, but one of them, he was just crowded out and there were too many people for him to run through. But on one, he goes past the player and there's a very clear arm on his shoulder that just basically shoves him out of play. Yeah, you wouldn't get away. It's the old cliche. You wouldn't get away with that anywhere else on the pitch, but it wasn't like it was a, a shoulder barge. It was a, a hand on the shoulder and a shove. And uh, I don't know why that's not a penalty, but then I looked at the referee's face. <laughs> Moving on to Harrison then, what do you reckon to his performance? Because that's one that seems to have divided opinion, particularly online. 
I just thought it was good. And I've not changed my opinion. But then, like, I went on Twitter and there were a few people slating him, saying he's got no end product and stuff. But but then I also, sorry, won the uh, Supporters Trust Man of the Match Award. I think people maybe have got memories of him last season and are unwilling to forgive. I thought he was fine as well. Like, end product was a problem for everybody, really. I mean, Hernandez was missing Bamford with crosses. Harrison looked more dangerous than he did last season. He seems to have more ideas when he's got the ball near the corner flag. They can't come off every single time. I think I was saying this on um, the Matchball podcast, that there's that kind of that sense of like, if we don't have 100% possession, this bit of nerves creeping like, why are we giving the other team the ball? And it's a little bit like that with um, Harrison, where it's like, if, if he doesn't hit Bamford every single time, well, he's rubbish. Why, why hasn't he got that cross on his head? Admittedly, we do then apply that to Bamford. And if he doesn't score all 10 chances, we are out here, you know, calling him all sorts. But yeah, expectations seem to be weirdly high where Harrison's concerned when he's been playing very well. Click as well. There was some, uh, quite a lot of criticism of, of Click's performance. And he did, I think um, they were going to replace him with Shackleton in the last 20 minutes before they scored because he was starting to look a bit knackered. But that's not a criticism of the way he played, and it seems to have transferred into a criticism of the way he played. He was, he was fine. Like I know some people don't. I quite like him as the sort of the number ten, especially because his job is to get out of the way when Pablo Hernandez comes in. But when I first saw him, when we signed him, and I watched him playing a couple of games for twenty, he was playing as a number ten, and I thought that's where he was going to play. We hadn't signed. Saez at that point, I thought, oh, here's our, here's our advanced playmaker. He looks really good. And he does bring a bit more effort than Saez used to in that position. Completely different style of playing it. But I do, uh, somebody once described to me the concept of, uh, in fact, there was an old Leeds ladies match. They brought on Erin White, A.D. White's sister, who was a defensive midfielder as a 10. And I was told afterwards the plan was, um, and her instruction was, go and fuck shit up. So you have a defense. You basically put David Batty on the edge of their penalty area. We did it with Rudy Austin, area. didn't we? As well for a time, he, yeah. he played behind the striker and just charged at people. Just go and tackle their defenders, and Click brings a bit of that. And it was noticeable. One of the good things on uh, uh, Saturday as well was how quickly we were winning the ball back. And I think Bielsa mentioned that as well when he's talking about playing in transition. That we were, if we did make a mistake, i.e., gave Nottingham Forest a sniff of the ball. We were very quick at getting the ball back, which I think it, uh, we'd slack, I don't know about slackened off, but I don't think we were doing it as well at the end of last season. And Click brings you that because Saez was never going to press down on somebody when they, the, they've got the ball in their, on their defensive line. Speaking of midfield, I thought Forshaw had quite a good game, but I'm still not convinced about having Click, Forshaw and Phillips all in the same side. I almost, I'm sort of longing already now for, for Costa maybe to, uh, to be in there. I feel a bit like. Our midfield is beyond my understanding. I feel like if Bielsa sat down with me for about two hours, he'd be able to explain and I'd go, okay, no, you're right to play for sure and click. But on the face of it, they do seem both to do similarish sort of jobs at times. And I don't like it when Forshaw gets forward because I have no faith in him ever scoring a goal. Phil Hay described Pablo Hernandez after this game as a false seven. And it does all seem to be set up for, we're not playing with a, a 10. We're playing so that Pablo can come in off the wing mess up their defensive marking systems and then click and foreshore or kind of find the space around him to either click's got more of a mind to attack. And uh, I think the point with foreshore is there's probably not as much for him to do, but he's there to make sure that the other team can't do anything. So if they win the ball, he's the first one to go in and try and win it back. 
So it, it will end up looking like he's not contributing much, but it's kind of, you need him there to kind of be a body in the way so that Hernandez can do that. And he'll go over there and help Stuart Dallas or whoever the right wing back is lean that way while Click leans the other and Pablo uh, beats them by himself. Which to be fair, so far he is doing based on the two games so far this season. And okay, two points lost, but I think a couple of days on from it, we probably feel all right about it now, do we? I read in the press that Bielsa is refusing to panic. That was one of the headlines, wasn't it, after this game? Which is good with only, I mean, 44 <laughs> games left. <laughs> and after a draw, not even a defeat. A draw in a game we absolutely should have won, but he's refusing to panic, which is very good to know. It was the Telegraph with a very strange slant to their match report and about losing the goals of Kemar Roof and uh, and ignoring the fact that we have actually signed a replacement. I'm not panicking. And Bielsa is not panicking if he's refusing to panic. We're unbeaten. Four points from two games would take us up if we do that all season. It is a little bit aggravating that Sheffield Wednesday are top of the league when they don't even have a manager. That's not what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to sink like a stone and get badly relegated this season. But for some reason, I'm hoping they're not going to well, I suppose the plan is, if this continues, if they win a few games, they appoint whoever it is, the, the gadget that they've got in charge at the moment, and then they realise, actually, shit, that's probably the dream. But yeah, them and then it's Lee Bowyer and then us. So we're, we're well positioned. If you'd like to support us doing this and get behind the podcast, please subscribe to The Extra Ball. We are doing more shows, and it's thanks to The Extra Ball subscribers that we are able to do that. Last week, we did our first live podcast at the Belgrave Music Hall in Leeds, all part of Moscow's book launch, because uh, he's done a book, which you may have gotten on to. Have you done a book? I have done a book. People have bought the book. If you bought the book, thank you. I've seen your flat. It's got books in it. Lots of books. Yes, if you bought a book directly from me, they'll pro- they are all going out. I'm nearly through all the orders, but I had um, quite a lot. And then I had quite a lot of uh, postage labels wrapped around the drum of my printer that took some dealing with. But I'm getting there. How did we both feel then about the... Um the live podcast, because I noticed listening back to the recording, I was chattering quite nervously, speaking quite fast, because I think it was like the adrenaline and the nerves a little bit. But it was in, it was largely enjoyable. I think, Michael, you enjoyed it after a few pints, didn't you? Well, you, I've not listened back to it. You said I sounded tired and emotional by the end. <laughs> your voice was kind of... Which I think means pissed. Yeah, cracking a little bit, a little bit of a slur entering your voice, yeah. Like all the best broadcasters. Oh, well, whatever. I've listened to Alan Brazil on the talk sport on a morning. I've taken inspiration from him. Yes, and we, you uh, took that inspiration all the way to afterwards when you went out for a glass of white wine, <laughs> uh, which yeah. I think was followed by a gin and tonic, was it? I think so. I yeah. I just had enough beer by that point, and you know you need a change. Or to stop drinking. Up to you. No, it went very a friendly audience. We, we soon realised that there was nothing to be frightened of in that room. It was good fun, and it was, a, it was a very friendly audience. So thank you if you came down. If you missed out this time, we will be doing it again, will we? Yeah. I don't see why not. It was good fun. So yeah, keep listening now and we will bring you the details of that. Meantimes, on this week's Extra Ball, we're going to look at this one. If you could add one player from our recent history into this current Bielsa side, who would it be and why? And we're also going to look at what makes Ellen Road love or loathe a player. Two ninety nine a month for the Extra Ball. Your first month is free. Everything you need at the squareball.net forward slash the Extra Ball. Good to see the famous Bielsa burnout hasn't uh, happened yet. Because, you know, obviously he's not panicking about the results just yet, which is remarkable, given that there are, what, 132 points still to play for. His second season is already going better than his second season at Marseille. So he's already flipping one uh, pre-season script where uh, he'll get grumpy and quit after a game. So up yours, doubters. 
And we've only got a couple of injuries now by the looks of it then. Ailing and Roberts. Yeah, Roberts seems like he's just never going to be fit. Ailing. Yeah, Bielsa's quite vague. It's even more difficult to understand now. Carlos Corbran's doing the, the translation, but it, he, he seemed to be stressing in his uh, press conference before the Salford game that he is, uh, it's normal. Everything's fine. He's going through a normal recovery, but we don't know if it's like a, a normal recovery from a sprained ankle or a normal recovery from open heart surgery. They're quite different things. I think Dallas has been doing very well at right back, actually. So I'm not too concerned at the moment. Yeah, I was thinking about that, watching how good Dallas was, that we've kind of gone from uh, um, worrying about how many centre-halves we have in, in reserve. And it could be that Luke Ayling just becomes a backup centre-half for the rest of the season. Because certainly his, uh, his pre-season jokes that he hoped he wouldn't be playing right wing back anyway sort of made his, made his feelings clear. He was joking. He, he was asked at the pre-season event, it's like, are you, are you looking forward to playing right wing back? He was like, running up and down that wing all the time. Nah, mate. That was too deep, was that voice? You need to go a bit more high-pitched than that. I'll work on my Luke Hailing impression. We do need one, I feel, because he's got a very distinctive voice. Anyway, let's um, wrap up the sort of tail end of the transfer window business, because we uh, we were out doing the live podcast when the transfer window closed on Thursday. So last time we did this podcast, it was still open, was the window. And uh, new, improved, super striker, hope for our future, goal poacher extraordinaire, Eddie, are we settling on a pronunciation yet? Enketia? It's either Enketia or Enketia. I think it may be Enketia. Which is easiest uh, to put in a chant? Eddie. Eddie, okay. Oh, Eddie, Eddie. Eddie, 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 Eddie. From Arsenal. Yeah, that's it's the only way it's going to scan, isn't it? He looks good. I'm, I'm excited to see this guy. Yeah, it, it, I'd be more excited if I'd seen him play senior football rather than just YouTube games doing pre-seasons and what have you. But no, from what we've seen, he looks good. And I feel like every year we manage to sign bad loanies from Premier League clubs. We must get a good one at some point. And, and this guy's young enough that he could legitimately not be in the Arsenal team. Whereas when you sign, you know, Lewis Baker from Chelsea and he's 23 or something, you think he's never going to get in there. He's he would If he was good enough, he would have been in there by now. Whereas this this guy potentially actually will play for Arsenal at some point. Yeah, all those players, those average ones at Chelsea are now playing in the first team. <laughs> Only Frank's best mates. Doing very well by the, uh, the sounds of it. But one of the delays apparently towards signing and catcher was uh, Unai Emery weighing up whether he was going to be like the third choice striker after... Uh, Aubameyang and Lacazette and he went and signed somebody because he thinks he's not quite ready but um, yeah so he's a lot closer to the that thing with um, Izzy Brown and, and Lewis Baker is he, you knew they're not going to be Chelsea first team players whereas um, this guy is um, depending on which headline you believed on a transfer deadline afternoon either the new Tammy Abraham which would be fine or the new Ian Wright which would be fine and if he's both that would be amazing I'd be happy with that wouldn't that make him Ian Abraham? And isn't that the moose? It's the moose. <laughs> Have we accidentally signed the moose? <laughs> oh no. Send him back quick. Have we got the receipt? Kimar, come back. All is forgiven. We've been absolutely had. <laughs> well, Bielsa seems to like what he's seen in training anyway. He says he's a complex player. Lots of capabilities. I like capabilities. Yes. And a young, important player in English football, a player with a very good reputation, according to other football people. Um, he can be one of the important players in English football, this is what the people say about him. So he is kind of saying uh, people say he's good. But yeah, the first uh, glimpses in uh, in training and stuff, he seems quite uh, quite keen. I am also keen. I'm, I'm excited to see if he will be. We've finally, after all these years, the years through Bates, got the low knee that we wanted all along. 
if he's the, the power of 100 low knees behind him. It does feel like every year there's a low knee comes from the Premier League and scores 20 goals in this league. For Bristol. So it's our turn. Which is a complete waste of time. Lee Johnson uh, wanted him, and that's one of the pleasures of getting him, is that Lee Johnson has been left sobbing on the sidelines. Um, he would have been wasted at Bristol anyway. Like, What's the point of going there? Sometimes I think Premier League teams will do that. They'll loan a player to a team like Bristol Barnsley. They used to get a lot from Chelsea from when Heckingbottom was there because he reckoned he had like a reputation for looking after them because they'd be focused more on training the kids up. And they'd be like, well, there'll be no pressure on him because they're not going to be going for promotion and they probably won't get relegated. So he can just go and kick his heels there for a year and practice. Whereas coming to Leeds, it's, um, well, you've seen what we've done to Patrick Bamford. So you need to survive that. So it's a bit more of a bit more of a risk from Arsenal and also a bit more of a, a, a roughening up process. We will either be the making of him or the breaking of him. He might be retired by the end of the season. A word, if we may, about our new giant goalkeeper. He is an absolute unit. I mean, not not like a, a buff unit, but uh, like a, a spindly unit. He's like a spider. Keeper we signed from Lorient, which is, is it Ilian Meslier? That's my best French accent that I can do. It was, it was some prospect of perhaps Milieu, but um, again, it's one of those where we need to hear somebody pronounce it who's uh, on top of these things. Since Carlton Palmer, I don't think we've had someone with, with a leg that is the same width at the top as, as the bottom. <laughs> it's quite remarkable to see that his his leg his arms his legs look like thin arms. He's got um he's got thankles, hasn't he? I don't. I mean, he's wearing skinny jeans on the picture we've seen, and I'm not sure. I didn't know they made them that skinny. In all honesty, our arms like on a human being they're not supposed to be as long as the legs are they? That's not normal. But I suppose it's handy for a goalkeeper. Yeah, I like him. He looks like an improvement on uh, Bailey Peacock Farrell. He's got a bit more character about him because of his ridiculous physique. We were talking about grafting extra arms and legs onto Bailey Peacock Farrell's back last season. Um, this guy looks like he possibly doesn't need them. He may just produce them from somewhere within his uh, skinny frame. Anyway, yeah, Inspector Gadget on a in a in a goalkeeper kit. Going out the other way, then Clark Odua. Did I pronounce that one right? God, it's so challenging, isn't it these days? Don't play for us anymore. Who cares? A <laughs> little, little bit surprised at this one. Yeah, he was um, used in pre-season and seemed to do all right for the under-23s last year. So everyone's kind of, will he break through? But I think uh, Bielsa kind of put that in there, put a bit of a dampener on maybe the excitement about some of the under-23s by pointing out how many players Odor had in front of him, which for the two positions, he can use six players to cover those two positions as it stands before he gets to Clark Odor and he said... uh, some players quite fancy that, that they'll, they'll stick around and maybe, you know, poison the wheat a bit or something until they get a game. But Odor quite fancied Barnsley. Although I do have a suspicion that Barnsley came in for him because Tom Pierce escaped to Wigan. Uh, that was his choice of uh, shit mill town to, to go to. Did say that on the live podcast, didn't we, which is on the extra ball feed, that uh, a lot of our outgoings this summer seem to have gone to crap towns in the north, don't they? A lot of Barnsley, Bradford, Wigan. Yeah, Tom Pierce. Have you ever had a pie bomb? It's the delicacy in Wigan. It's a it's a pie in a sandwich. Basically, you put put it in a bread bun and eat it. Feels carpet. I mean, like your, your pie is already. It comes with a with its own custom made like outer yeah. layer, doesn't it? It's like putting a jacket on a jacket. So you're putting a bread bun on that, and then you're having chips with it. And if you see a photo of it with chips, it looks like like a chip butty gone wrong. Like they've missed. They've put the wrong thing into the bread. So Tom Pierce will be uh, eating those all day and all night, and probably morbidly obese. Well, we'll see, because he's coming back in a couple of weeks, isn't he? Michael's favourite, Kevin Sharp, never suffered too badly from him. He was the last uh, fullback, I think, we sent to Wigan. 
Okay, did the hair suffer? It's only really the hair. I think the hair survived uh, while he was there. I think it was after that that uh, the stress got to him. You've been to Wigan, Michael? Uh, yeah, can't remember it really. Did you wake up bald? <laughs> <laughs> no, this, this happened. Someone from the live podcast actually said, was surprised I was bald. So yes, just to, just to let everyone in for, the, in for the news, I'm afraid so. It's, all it is is just excess t- testosterone, isn't it? Possibly, yes. A lot of lead in that pencil, baby. I wonder what the sound is they can hear if it's not your hair swishing against the microphone, <laughs> after all. Like Curtis Steiger's sitting over there. Maybe we could use some of the extra ball money to buy Michael a wig, or you could use some of your betting ill-gotten gains. Why don't you get yourself a Wayne Rooney hair transplant? Okay, that seems fair. <laughs> it was suggested uh, to us by a tweeter whose name I've forgotten now, but that you should buy my uh, errant son a Leeds kit with some of your gambling money, Michael. I'd rather give it to a more deserving child. He, he needs rescue. He needs rescuing. I had to witness him for his birthday weekend last weekend, prancing around all weekend in a Spurs kit. He even got a bit of tomato ketchup down the front of it, with it being only 24 hours old. And he still wore it as well. And I'm like, you need to take that off. It's got ketchup down the front. Like, no, I want to keep it on. He's doing it on purpose. Get tell him that once there's some ketchup on a shirt, it has to go in the bin. That's just, there's no coming back from that and be replaced by a lead shirt. So you're not prepared to do that? You're not prepared to do an act of, uh, of charity, Michael, no? No, I'm not, I'm not compensating for your own parenting shortfalls. Is that because you hate charity? No, no, just, just your children. Let's move on then. <laughs> Let's move on then into this. What do you think of um, Angus's interviews with various parties? He's spoken to the Yorkshire Evening Post, who chopped it up into three articles, and Phil, who's now at The Athletic, uh, talking about championship strikers. There's a myth uh, that there are proven championship strikers you can go and get, apparently. Like um, pulling the sword from the stone. The lady in the lake, that's another myth. Mother Shipton's cave. I mean, I don't know if you've checked all these places, whether there might be a put Mother Shipton up front. She might be tactically adaptable to a, a 3-3-1-3. You never know. I just don't think they said in the summer that they're going to respond creatively to the FFP limits. Go and hang around Whitby Abbey with um, Yvette Fielding and see what shows up on the night cams. With there'll a contract. Be, there'll be a lot of young people now just scratching their heads going, what is he talking about? Yvette Fielding, that's modern with Derek Akora on the uh, ghost hunting. That, if that's what we need up front, then we need to bring the forces from the, the other world. Some late night Googling, I think, follows this one. Uh, do you think he's got a fair point now that um, there aren't actually these strikers available? Or is it just that we've not been that good in the window? I feel like the whole thing is a bit of a PR exercise. to Just be like, look, everyone calm down. We've not spent much money, but calm down. There is a point in, like, which one would we have signed? Dwight Gale, Dwight Gale, Dwight Gale. Well, that was the guy we were listening to on Radio Leeds in the car after the game last week who was complaining to Noel Whelan that we hadn't signed Dwight Gale and Noel Whelan made perhaps the reasonable point that Steve Bruce doesn't want to sell him and that just turned into... Well, should still get Dwight Gale. Yeah, well, why doesn't Steve Bruce want to sell him? He's got enough strikers. and He doesn't fit in the tactical system. Yeah, he was telling you, when he tell Steve Bruce, somebody at Leeds should have told Steve Bruce that they're not going to use Dwight Gale this season. I think it just doesn't work that way. Nobody signed Dwight Gale. So that argument is kind of, is kind of very moot. And then Mope has gone to, he's gone to Brighton, hasn't he? So it is, you know, who is the player that we, apart from Dwight Gale, that we were going to get? I would contend as unsexy as it is that, a 20-year-old striker from Arsenal who was deemed good enough for their Europa League team, I think, and was ready to challenge their starting strikers. If we get him on a loan fee, that's probably a better deal than spending £10 on somebody for the sake of it. And are we now just 
adjusting to the new reality of how this championship is going to have to operate going forward after the Birmingham decision to dock them points. It does feel like, and it's a theme that's come up a number of times amongst journalists, that people are going, hang on a second, they're serious now. Now Sean Harvey's gone, they're serious. I think where the annoyance comes from, which which Angus did mention, is that there are things like Derby selling the stadium to themselves, Derby getting a betting company to sponsor Wayne Rooney's arrival. There are seem there seems to be certain ways of getting around it, uh, which does undermine the whole principle of it. Really, if you if you're going to allow teams to to just make up their own rules as they go along, like can we are we able to sell you know stationery to ourselves for large profits and 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 use that? I don't know, but the the spending in elsewhere in the division does suggest that yeah, there isn't a huge amount of cash washing around anymore. Am I right in thinking that under the Ridsdale madness, not only did we have a separate travel agency business, I'm fairly sure we had a stationary business at one point. Have I made that up? It doesn't ring any bells. I know we, we had all sorts going on. Maybe if we had our own stationary business, we wouldn't have been spending so much on stationary. I know there was a, a lot of big bills for that kind of stuff that Professor McKenzie turned up. But yeah, we were into credit cards and um, all sorts at that point. Anything that we could sell. <laughs> Get everything on finance. And to be fair, that's the one thing that leads have kind of cracked now under FFP is we are rinsing the supporters uh, to an extent that we, we weren't under Bates or Cellino. And I mean that in the nicest sense in the amount of commercial income that's coming in either from shirt sales, which one of uh, Angus Kinnear's other interviews that was quite entertaining was like, right, the pink shirt, let me lay this down. People criticise that we've sold something like, 4,000, it was getting like, so people don't understand. You say people don't want it, we're selling it. You just got to get with the pink and grey programme. Quite spiky about it. Um, but we are bringing in more money on shirt sales, more money on shit sponsors than we ever were before. And that's kind of the way that they've gone about um, combating FFP is to bring in as much legitimate money as they possibly can. Meanwhile, we are sitting here going like, well, why don't you just cheat? <laughs> yeah. And it's an awkward situation. As we established earlier on on the podcast, we're all for cheating as long as it benefits us. Possibly my favourite part of the uh, the Kinnear interviews is that he does call out um, FFP. He describes it as the rules aren't fit for purpose. Uh, The permitted loss is an arbitrary figure which can't be properly enforced. And the rules are so porous as to be pointless. And he says uh, something quite correct, which is um, until those rules change, this is the, the landscape that we're in. So it could be. One of the, uh, the frustrating things of this is that this is the season when we're trying to build a team to go for promotion and we are hamstrung by FFP to whatever extent. If they actually sorted the rules out, if the, if somebody went, click the things out, right, everything changes, then next summer, when it's too late, it could all be, right, now spend as much as you want. The, nobody knows what the outcome, how long these things are going to last. They were revised, I think, two years ago, which is what has kind of led everybody into this new cycle Birmingham fell foul of the well fell foul of massively cheating and signing players when they were told not to and all that sort of stuff but there's always these these changes they change the name they change the regulations they brought in the thing about oh you can sell a stadium to yourself um they'll probably close that loophole so only a couple of teams do it so it's really hard to predict where that's going to go and trying to plan around it is is difficult and it's a it's just a fucking it's the football league it's the fucking football league. <laughs> and the answer is, bring out four kits in a year. So it appears to be correct that, yes, there is a special one-off kit coming for the Birmingham game, which I dare say will be a heritage kit, Properly, hopefully done properly. This one, fingers crossed, they've got another chance. And a third kit as well. So we're looking at four different kits this year. What would you like to see out of a third kit? Please, can it be all yellow? All blue and yellow halves. That's what I'd like. That was my instinct at the start of the year. I thought we'd go for 
all white home kit, blue and yellow halves, as a tribute, obviously, to the great uh, David Hopkin era. With a grey and pink third kit for all other eventualities. For the kids. It's for the kids. It's for the... Angus Kinnear said it's for the future. Like People don't understand that everybody's going to be wearing grey and pink. Well, my errant son, he did. He identified it at the Bristol game. He watched it on telly. I like that kit. He likes it. He's into it. Modern child. Yeah, the next generation. But he, he likes the uh, the brie bars at Spurs or whatever else it is when you inevitably <laughs> take him there. Filling with cheese and Harry Kane. He will never be taken to Spurs on my watch. Let me just put that on record right now. Never. And I've told him that as well. He's going to have to hitchhike. Like Dick Whittington with his uh, knapsack and his little black cap going all the way down to Spurs. What, what will you do when he's mayor of London? I don't know how to get out of this one now, so let's just move on to the next thing. I just wanted to say it was interesting to hear what Barry Douglas had to say in that Daily Record interview um, that he actually found last season a little bit of a struggle. Yeah, there's two parts of it. One, that he seems as a character, and I guess you're going to get this with a few, unsuited to Bielsa's style coming in at 8.30 to train in the morning, then a siesta to recover before training in the afternoon. Personally, I prefer my own space and the comforts of home. But then the he did say that if you, it can be good to have a bit of respite and recovery from kids in the house. I don't know if his kids are horrible Tottenham supporters. He just wants to uh, spend as much time away from as possible. But um, yeah, I think the, uh, you're going to get that in, some, uh, in a squad of 22, as Bielsa likes to have it, where some players aren't going to be on board with the intensity of it and would rather spend the afternoon at home. But then I think the other side of that is you probably get some players who don't want to knock off at two and are like, oh, great, this is the work I want to do all day because you've got that many people. You've just got to ensure that um, everybody is kind of uh, looked after while they're doing it, I guess. You do understand why men get sheds, don't you? <laughs> That's what Barry's hinting at. Yeah, and he's, he's kind of been forced into a shed at um, Thorpe Arch against his will. <laughs> but it's all part of the Bielsa regime. We've seen his pyjamas, so we know he doesn't mind a little a little snooze. And I guess the other part of it was uh, what seems like the bigger part is, because uh, he wasn't training under Bielsa for a lot of it, because he was injured. And he, had to, he says he had to learn how to deal with that. It was tough because I couldn't influence anything. I probably missed 50% of the season and I've never been in that situation before. I felt really down about it and a lot of unanswered questions in my head, especially around Christmas time. If it wasn't for my wife and wee boy, I'd have been borderline depressed. But every time they smile, uh, everything changes. But he worked with a mental health coach to get him through that period. And uh, and seems like he's, um, uh, yeah, he says he was in a dark place, but now I leave everything at the front door. I want to get home. It's just about family time. It reminded me of a couple of years ago, I interviewed Stevie Ward, who was at Leeds Rhinos. Is still at Leeds Rhinos. He's still struggling with injuries, bless him. But he uh, he had that problem when he had his first major knee injury where he was saying since he was 11 years old, every single day was play rugby, train to be a rugby player, learn about rugby. And then suddenly he couldn't couldn't do anything and he's cut off from training. He's not seeing the people he, he works with every day on his own, either not able to do a damn thing because his leg's up in the air, recovering or just exercising on his own. And... Uh, and he went into quite a dark place about that just because uh, his point was, and it, I think it relates to what Barry Douglas says, where he says uh, it was tough because I couldn't influence anything. Stevie Ward was saying, what good is a rugby player who can't play rugby? And that's how he felt. He says, that's all I can do and I can't do it through no fault of my own. It just like snapped away from him. And the second time that happened, he uh, sorted himself out. So if you look at mentality, um, which is his kind of mental health and uh, men's issues. It's, I, think it's for, I think it's for male and female 
millennials, but it's called mentality. It's his uh, way of giving himself something else to do and also talking about the things that he went through at the time. That's how he kicked it off. So that he's got he's got kind of a different identity when he is injured um, and doesn't go into that, feel, that feeling of uselessness that played him before. So perhaps if Barry does get injured again, hopefully this mental health coach, he'll have a... He'll have the resilience, it's the good word, to, to help him through that and maybe take up a fashion career. <laughs> Do, designing some clothes for his teammates, that might be nice to pass the time. And all joking apart, good on him for talking about the mental health side of things because it's something all blokes generally struggle with. So, yeah, brownie points on that one, good work. So as we touched on in the last regular podcast, we're fed up with the blasphemy baton that we made up some time ago in January. Um, we found somebody who wants to take it on, though, literally taking the blasphemy baton, the god rod, off our hands. If you want an explanation for this, can we can we bother with the explanation now? Just made it up, basically. Nathan Jones is religious, and we said, who does God prefer? Heavily religious disciple of his, Nathan Jones or Bielsa. Uh, Stoke beat us, so they started it off, and then it changed hands through victory. And it ended with Forest. It's gone offshore to Greece now, and we've just had enough. It's too much like hard work, and it's it's one of those. It's it's run its it's run its race as this particular feature. I think yeah, we may re- revisit again when uh, we play Nathan Jones's Stoke. We're fairly sure that God has an interest in that match. He'll be on our touchline for a start. But uh, apart from that, yeah, it, it went to Greece and got complicated. So if you want to keep tabs on the God Rod, check out Ross Chaplin on Twitter, whose handle is at Mason Cooper Four who has volunteered to look after the God Rod for us. Is he actually he... called Ross Chaplin? I was going to ask if he's an actual chaplain. Or has he changed his name? Now he's the custodian of the God Rod. He is the, the Square Balls official chaplain. <laughs> I like that. Which also, and again, the thing that we kicked off, the booze baton, which is a spin-off, like, it's like the famous spin-off series. You know when Joey span off from Friends? It's a bit like that. So this is going to be less successful than the God Rod. Again, another, I think this will be more popular. as Again, another biblical name, Eden J. Harris, and his mates decided to go on a booze baton tour. Well, it's going to be the celebration, the end of season celebration for our promotion party. We're going to invite ourselves along and it's going to be wherever the booze baton ends up. It started in the hands of Leeds against Bristol. Still remains with us because we're unbeaten so far. So if we lose tonight against Salford, that could be interesting, couldn't it, if they inherit the booze baton? I think they'd initially said on the, from the Twitter thread that they were doing this only for league games, but I think domestic games is fair enough because I kind of like the idea of it. I think they didn't want to have to go to like, Azerbaijan or somewhere if Arsenal end up in the Europa League or something but this I don't know I don't mind it going around non-league grounds I quite like the, the idea that it might end up at you know Lee RMI or something for the end of the season I was optimistically thinking Scarborough I don't know if they're in a league with Scarborough but I would possibly prefer that to fucking Lee go east man not west piss up in Wickham <laughs> but we'll keep tabs on that and uh, keep tabs on at Eden J Harris who's looking after the booze baton for us we'll bring you updates Garden as we like to call him That's his official designated nickname now, Eden. Garden. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. 
for me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And we mentioned Salford there. We're playing them tonight. No match ball podcast after this one, I don't think, is there? Can't be asked. Fuck them. It's, it's an EFL contrived. I'm not saying they fixed the draw, but the whole thing is just a, yet another excuse for Paul Scholes to wave his tiny ginger bollocks around on uh, Sky Television. As Richard Keyes once said about some game, daft little ground, fuck off. Can't remember which game that was. Was it like Scotland in the Faroe Islands or something? He, he was caught on mic saying something something along those lines. We are. This game is very much uh, beneath us. Bielsa said, um, oh we will play with some players who didn't play in the previous game. The new signings could be involved. We are going to play the game as seriously as we can, which made me think that all the players was going to be going out roaring with laughter, pointing at that shit little like wannabe Huddersfield dog that they've drawn on the shirts with a long neck. Um, I think it's a lion. Well, what the fuck is it? Well, I mean, how many lions do you see in Salford? Why have they picked a lion? And why does it look like that? It's a total ripoff of uh, Pumas Unam from Mexico who have the big fucking transformer Puma on their face. Oh yeah, that one, yeah. Not yeah. on the face, on the, the front of their shirts. And they've just tried to copy that the way that they've tried to copy um, everybody who's ever owned a football team, only they've got so much money um, they can just do whatever they want with it. Not not content with fucking up Manchester City Centre with towers to the fucking Neville's fallacies that they want to build everywhere. They've got to go and drag their shit all across the lower leagues. Take it you're not a fan. They should fuck off. Okay. Can't say anything. Anyway, by the time you hear this, uh, they may well have beaten us <laughs> probably after that tirade, yeah. Well, they'll be, they've got the, the referees probably on their side because they've got that fucking pig fucker Keith Stroud is... Uh, back involved with this. So the whole thing's just, um, it's an oink, oink situation. The fix is in. What did he... Um... I'm not accusing them of fixing the game, by the way. Uh, <laughs> oh, Keith Stroud indeed of bestiality. No, I think that was established last, We're on last record year. that already. <laughs> what did he actually do that, that led to him being accused of being a pig fucker? <laughs> it was Brentford away, wasn't it? He fucked pigs. That was, oh, that was he did, that was it. That was no, it. he didn't, did he? Oh, in a he, ma- he made love to those pigs. <laughs> Brentford away I think he didn't give us a penalty or something I don't know it was a it was a frustrating refereeing performance that uh, frustration he later took out <laughs> on a visit to her anyway he didn't just just did to say he didn't <laughs> <laughs> probably safer territory Wigan away on Saturday this is bigger the Tom Pierce derby we've already established that they don't know what to do with pies are we still scarred a little bit from the Wigan game at the back end of last season yeah this needs sorting another sort of ghost to exercise kind of thing Yes. Yeah, definitely. And, well, I don't know. Are they any good? They've had one really good result, one really terrible result. Who that's, knows? That's this league. Are they refusing to panic or are they panicking <laughs> after losing 3-0 to uh, to Preston? 
I look through their squad and apart from Tom Pierce, there's, there's basically nobody there of interest. I don't really know what to I'm make fairly of them. sure I'm fairly sure this was the narrative before the Wigan home game last season, which we said we would win comfortably and look what happened. Well, I mean, Moscow has gone to whoscored.com and he's got a picture of what's their probable first team in front of us. And I can see there's Andy Robinson at left back. <laughs> there's um, Nicky Byrne at right back. Nicky Byrne at right back. One there's time Leeds keeper, now at Westlife. Ali McLeod um, is in central midfield. Mark Jacobs, the uh, the fashion designer. A. Pilkington, the guy who does the glass. <laughs> yep, yep. Jay Windass, I assume is Dean Windass's son. It's his son, yeah. Mm-hmm. Lee Evans, bringing some uh, physical comedy to midfield. And D. Fox on the edge of the box, because he's a centre-back. So actually, yeah, when you look at it, it's a, it's a fairly uh, interesting lab. Didn't, uh, oh no, I'm thinking of Ian Marshall in goal that used to have the incredible perm that played for Oldham. Who scored also provide their uh, characteristics. Their strengths are attacking set pieces, which is a bit of a worry. Uh, creating chances through individual skills. So I assume most of these players play like Messi. And also coming back from losing positions. Uh, which, uh, against Preston when they lost 3-0. Yes, but I assume they must have done it against Cardiff, otherwise it wouldn't be there. Well, they did it against us last year. They're very weak at defending set pieces and at defending against attacks down the wings. That sounds uh, promising. Their style of play is long shots, long balls, controlling the game in the opposition's half. Ha! Attacking down the left, so they could be targeting uh, Pablo and Stewie. And also it says that opponents play aggressively against them, which again, I think might have something to do with them starting against Cardiff. I think we will stride out there in our platinum and pink and we will destroy Wigan Athletic. I hope there is a bit of a bit of desire from the players to even up last season. I know this isn't going to exactly make up for us completely fucking a chance at promotion, but it'd be nice if they just sort of went, yes, we are better than Wigan. We remember now. I don't know why we didn't do this last season. There has been awareness from the players who've spoken about it as well. They've not shied away from the fact that it's Wigan was the game. I think it's the one that... I know he's gone to Brentford now and is uh, applauding empty stadiums up and down the stadium, up and down the country, sorry. But Pontus Janssen was one where like, Wigan was the one that hurt. That was the game that we, we knew we'd, we should have won and we fucked it up. And hopefully the rest of them say, we'll, we'll realise that and we'll go and uh, put that straight. I'm going for 4-0 this time. I didn't get my 4-0 against uh, Bristol City. I'm going for it against Wigan. Bamford hat-trick? Bamford 2 uh, I think Helder Costa will get his first one in this game. Should we say Pablo again, or is he going to have a is he going to have a week off this time? I think Pablo might get one. I think clicks do a goal. Click. Well, I was going to say that I think Bamford will get a hat trick. Hernandez will get one. Costa will get one, as you said. Click one, so we're up to six. Then um, at that point, I think we take off Patrick Bamford and give and catch you. I know Bielsa doesn't do these kind of things too often, but give and catch you some time, and he'll get his first league goal. So now we're up to seven. Anybody else we think will score at Wigan? That um, big keeper, bring him on. Give him a turn. Up front. Up front, yeah. Yeah, let him have a go. Big man up front. Just to change it, just to show we've got tactical flexibility. He could be our Nikola Zigic. Exactly. Come on and score four. So now we're up to uh, 11-0. Well, I'm going to go for my four. I'll stick to my four. I know it's a conservative estimate. What about you in more real terms? Are you just going for the four that the keeper's going to score? Yes. Okay. I'm going to go for a narrow 2-1 that should have been about 8-1. I think it will click into this game. I think we'll restore, uh, right the wrongs of last season, restore the confidence after Forest and uh, 6-0. Right, let's pick our heroes and villains from this last week then. An acknowledgement of the people who've made our lives either slightly better or slightly worse across the last seven days. First, 
the Ken Bates Villainy Award given to somebody who has made things a bit worse. Named after Ken Bates, and he gets the first nomination for something spurious. This time it is... I was trying to search the news to see if he'd done anything recently, and what I did turn up is that he's got a job at um, Surrey Police. There's, uh, yes, there's a rock the size of a tennis ball shattered a window after being thrown from a bridge on the M3 by a group of teenagers. Um, and Inspector Ken Bates from Surrey Police's Roads Policing Unit said, this is an extremely dangerous thing to do, and I would urge parents to impress upon their children the recklessness of throwing objects from bridges and to know where their children are and who they are, which doesn't make sense, with particularly during the school holidays. Was it Ben Fry with the questions? I think, I think they, when they interview, they probably go in together. We've got put Fry and Bates in. They'll crack in seconds. <laughs> Who's the good cop? Who's the bad cop there? <laughs> Ben's got to be the good guy. Who else is having a nomination then? Wolverhampton Wanderers. They're already being linked to signing Calvin Phillips for a knockdown price in January. Just fuck off. And everybody who's linking them to him, fuck off as well. And on a similar theme, we'll go through the quick ones. Michael Brown was talking about how Billy Sharp scored a goal um, on Saturday in the Premier League. Fuck off. Why are they using Michael Brown as a pundit of all the ex-players? Fuck off. Don't need him. Who else? Wish.com. We wrongly called them a charity a while ago. Turns out they're not. And they're all over the place, including Bielsa's bucket. Yes. Which is not acceptable. As a listener to the podcast, Danielle described them to me as a shit Chinese eBay and then launched into the song, shit Chinese eBay, which uh, they are. They're sponsoring every fucking thing, even down to where they've been quoted this morning. Finally, Wallace's partnership has significant inventory. We love the idea of sponsoring the Bielsa Bucket, the only such asset in global football. We like to follow the eyeballs. <laughs> Fucking sell the eyeballs as well, but they're all sourced in China. I thought they were. I was going to say I thought they were Chinese. I thought we were going to get a real treat of an accent. Then <laughs> they, uh, they're an American company, but oh. they um, basically they allow uh, like a, a direct marketplace to Chinese sellers. And from their Wikipedia page, many customers report having had poor experiences with Wish. Uh, common complaints include counterfeit goods, defective products, and issues such as products paid for and never received, and requests for returns and refunds ignored. On the uh, the <laughs> other hand, um, they have been the subject of big bids from Amazon and uh, Alibaba, who I think is the Far Eastern version of Amazon, have tried to buy Wish for $10 billion, uh, but Wish rejected them, believing they can build up to at least $100 billion. Which is exactly how we should be handling the Calvin thing. $100 billion. Absolutely right, yeah. I'd or like- we could just um, <laughs> flog him through an electronic marketplace. That's the other. Get your Calvin Phillips's here. Guaranteed, genuine. Look at that. Real Calvin, that. Into the mix, I was just going to add Chris Wilder for that fake sore throat that he had, you know, on the Premier League opening day. There's always one, like, little, little team manager that comes up who's like, Everybody's so pleased that they're doing so well in the, the Premier League. It's like, oh, isn't it good to see them here? And then they'll go on radio afterwards and like, oh, I can't believe we're like, yeah, it's been fucking great today. Oh, I'm so awesome shouting and oh, Billy Sharp's God. Oh, God. And he went, he went through it all. Yeah, I don't know. He's kind of making a, a double bid voice-wise for like a combination of Sean Dyche and the, uh, the Cockney drunk. I don't know if we have to... We'll have to start combining the two together. So I mean, we have to do a duet every time he speaks or he could just fuck off. I did quite enjoy there was uh, Danny Mills. I almost nominated him for villainy of this, but then I realised it's nothing to do with us apart from the fact that he used to play for us. But he was interviewed about 
Sheffield United's prospects in the Premier League last week and plainly had, had not seen them play um, since the Tony Agana era. It was just like, yeah, long ball team, they'll be fighting for every ball, It'll get it up to the, the, the front man. They've got them big strikers there, which uh, quite a lot of people have told him to get back in his box. I Expert mean- punditry from Millsy. If anything, we should nominate him for hero for that, for letting his ignorance annoy Sheffield United. I'm happy with that. We'll put him down. So he's already down as a hero. Well done, Danny Mills. Uh, who else? Pat Bamford. Oh, leave Pat alone. I'm starting to really feel sorry for him. Well, I was going to nominate the people who are having to go at Pat Bamford as well to even to even it up because he does need to start, you know, scoring some goals with those chances. But yeah, let's not let's not shout anything at him yet. Uh, Rob Jones, the referee from Saturday because he was fucking rubbish and he looked like a cross between Gianluigi Buffon and Lloyd Cole wandering around the pitch, which is... He uh, did cause a commotion. <laughs> Another one for the kids. Him and the puddle on uh, the low fields had uh, a similar unfortunate input, impact on my enjoyment of the game. Fortunately, yeah, there was a, a huge puddle. There was To walk under the tunnel, I thought, oh, this is a, a, a big crowd. And I realised everybody's trying to edge around this big... I don't know if they thought if they'd step in it, they'd, they'd drop through into another world filled with mermaids and uh, Adrian Tavares. But um, that slowed things down. Fortunately, absolutely everything else to do with the traffic arrangements around Elland Road on Saturday was perfect and worked brilliantly. So it's only the puddle that needs to be nominated. Do you want to pick yourselves a winner from that? That's Rob Jones. Yeah, Rob say. Jones. I just didn't like him. Didn't like his attitude. Didn't like his long whistling. Didn't like how pleased he was about uh, Calvin's foul. I think he probably... He would only have enjoyed that more if there was actually a broken leg involved. I think he had that about him. Was oh yes, I can do something about this. I can wave for a stretcher. Here's my big stretcher. Come on, wave, and I think I might blow a few more times on this this tooty machine to make everybody know that I'm here. And he got loads of stuff wrong. So fuck him. And retrospectively as well for uh, dragging Thomas Christensen into the argument at Ipswich about whether you and O'Kane had uh, headbutted that guy or not. Where he's like. My son tells me he didn't touch him. Do you want? Do I disbelieve my son? Do I believe you? All that kind of stuff. That was great, but I didn't like seeing Thomas Christensen that's, angry. That's a fairly long and obscure grudge, but I'm prepared to go with it. So well done to Rob Jones. On to the Andy Hughes Hero Award. Somebody who's uh, brightened our day a little bit across the last seven. Who are we nominating for it this time? Calvin Stiller. And until that changes, is, he, is, he will be a hero. Is that an act of heroism or is it just a refusal to do something reckless by uh, Radrazani. Either way, he's still here. He could he could have been a dick about it. In fairness, if he'd have, if he'd have really wanted to move, he could probably have moved. Shouldn't we give the credit since we can't decide between those two to Kevin Sharp, his agent, who was uh, mm-hmm. presumably instrumental in um, not being able to get a, a big enough wage increase or signing on bonus elsewhere, and so has kept him at, at Leeds United. Fine by me. Yeah, who else? Depending on when this is released, uh, Eddie and Ketcher for his hat-trick against Salford. Probably going to happen, isn't it? Yeah, so we'll, we'll nominate him for an incredible debut. I'd like to put in Barry Douglas, based on what we were talking about earlier, the fact that he spoke out about mental health and the fact that he was suffering, and we're in an age where that needs to happen more, so good on him. Yeah, and there's, um, there's a bit of a theme uh, developing with some of this. Tyler Roberts, uh, spoken about by Marcelo. Uh, Marcelo says he's lovely. He says, we miss him a lot while he's injured and the contribution he has for the team, but as a person too. We'd like to have him uh, with us now for two reasons, the football things, but the most important thing is how he is as a human. So Tyler Roberts for being lovely, and also Luke Ayling. Uh, Marcelo says he's lovely as well. He's very close to us even when he's not playing. 
He's a key player for the spirit of the team more than the very clear football skills he has. So Luke Ayling also lovely and Marcelo Bielsa um, because he's obviously with this, I think he may be trying to prove that he is a human with a heart and not just a, a, tin man. a hollow calculating uh, husk who will, uh, if you remember last year when he corrected Salim Lamrani about um, Jack Clark, we hope to have him with us as soon as possible. No, no, you're making me sound like a monster. He can take all the time he needs. I think he's perhaps, it's noticeable that he's saying a lot more nice things about the character of his uh, of his players. So, um, so there's a lot of love in the room. Michael, anyone else? I don't know how this exactly falls into it, but the scum beating Chelsea thing, it was an awkward one because it was it was one where you don't really know who you want to, to win. But in the end, it being 4-0 was quite funny. Yeah, and I think the way that you weight that is that we have a more recent and pressing grudge against Frank Lampard. So it was nice to see him suffer. Obviously, we don't like Man United, but equally, you know, nothing is won and lost in one game. It's not like it's handed them the title, is it, or anything like that. You're not wishing them to win the league or anything. It's just like nice seeing Frank Lampard having his ass handed to him on TV. By a not very good Man United team. That helps as well. Yeah, it's um, the last time we saw Frank Lampard, he was running around our stadium like a, I suppose it was the Wembley match as well, but the last time he was really in our face was at the end of the match at Elland Road. And to see the contrast, um, no matter who the opposition were, although we are inadvertently nominating scum as heroes of the week. Um <laughs> Well, they're not going to win it. We know that. It's just... No, but let's uh, let's just acknowledge that, yeah, a shit scum team beat uh, Frank Lampard's even worse Chelsea. Uh, so the greater good is all good. And just when you thought she wouldn't have to tolerate anything more unreasonable than thousands of dangerous Leeds fans constantly tweeting her about her physique, Emma Louise Jones, well done for tolerating the honking goose on Radio 5. First of all, well done for getting that gig. Hard. Hard getting a gig in radio. And um, to get 606, brilliant. To be paired with the honking goose, Robbie Savage, not so good. And she had to deal with, the, the reason this has kind of gone a bit viral is because there was a supposed Leeds fan ringing up. Which I, it's I'm doubtful. Not, I'm very doubtful as well, saying that we should get Mourinho and that Bielsa's done nothing, essentially. And Savage, obviously, because it's kind of what he does. It was the typical... What did he say? Instead of dealing with just the, um, the, the idiot caller, as it could be easily dealt with, um, Savage insisted on like backing him up when he'd saying Bielsa had failed and Mourinho would be good there and it's like he just kept he was half. No, on. you didn't go. <laughs> no, oh yeah, oh yeah, get your hand in because I think about it. Uh, yeah, you got Jose. And Emma, bless her, first day on the job and she's already I don't know like half an hour into the show saying I'm talking to the caller, Robbie, not you. Oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Robbie, the call. I'm, so, <laughs> He always mentions that he's played football and that no one else is entitled to an opinion as well. That's what he does. That's his his shtick. Yeah, he was he was comparing um, Leeds not going up and Emma saying, "Well, that was a, that was good. They had a great season anyway." It's like, what about how he could have signed for Real Madrid if he wanted, but he didn't. So, what's the difference? That was a lie as well. He couldn't have signed for Real Madrid, and it just makes no fucking. It's that binary thing of like, if you don't get promoted, you're not successful. But it just turned into. Uh, Robbie Savage shouting. There must be someone else that can she can work with. Anybody else then before we wrap this one up? Everybody who has bought a copy of 100 Years of Leeds United by Daniel Chapman. I think that's Jesus it. Honestly, you rinsing this. We've already put out a special podcast to let you whore yourself I assume off. they're all sold out now, aren't they? Um, not quite. There are still some copies available, although it did hit number 33 on Amazon's all- Books being sold in the country. I think they call it the, be- the bestseller list. It was, yes, I'll probably was... buy the other 32 first then. 
Well, you won't get to buy, in that case, Michelle Obama's uh, Becoming Michelle Obama because I beat Michelle Obama uh, for a couple of days, which is pretty exciting. Kept a respectful distance behind Toni Morrison. It was starting to get a little bit awkward. Don't want to be um, overtaking recently dead Nobel Prize winners. But yeah, I'm, I, I didn't really anticipate that it would be bought by so many people which is perhaps why it's taken me a long time to post all the copies that people have wanted so it um, for me. But I'm getting there, and it's it's very nice. Sorry to talk over you. I was going to say it was really funny on Thursday when we realised, when we did the live podcast, um, me thrusting my phone in your face, saying, look at where you are on Amazon, and you're just like, oh, God, <laughs> this is really happening. So congratulations on your success so far. It's not me. It's the it's the people who are buying the books that are the heroes here. <laughs> Good God, I mean it. Saccharine <laughs> and sickening. You disgust me. It's really nice. After, Thank you. After those nice words, you're a prick. Right. Who's having Hero of the Week? Possibly the, the happiest moment of the week, apart from what we just mentioned, was Calvin Phillips staying. Yeah, that would have thrown the entire season. It would have been like the disarray. Ravens leaving the tower, wouldn't it? Bielsa would have gone. Everything would have gone. The stand, the, there would have been angry mobs at the stadium, all sorts. So for basically saving the city of Leeds... And given, riots. and given that um, Eddie and Ketcher's hat-trick against Salford is still just in the abstract as we record this. Phil, Phillips will probably play in that match even though he doesn't have to and get three assists. So, yeah, Calvin Phillips is my hero this week. And you can never leave us. Finally, grab yourself a subscription for the season. We've got loads of Ace merch on the website as well, including the famous Leeds Carajo mugs. Um, subscriptions to the Extra Ball there as well, our other podcast. Everything you need is at thesquareball.net. Delighted to announce that Phil Hayes, next week's special guest here on the podcast, will find out uh, how his life has changed since he finally got a blue tick on Twitter, which I'm delighted about, genuinely, because it stops those annoying parody accounts or the ones that try and make up transfer rumours. Will it stop them? Probably not, but at least we know now where to look. Look for the blue tick. So we'll look forward to speaking to Phil next week. And we look forward to being top of the league next week. Retaking our rightful position and and in the next round of the Carabao. Who do you want in the draw for the next uh, next stage? Some other... Are FC United still going to be in it? I think we need to build our way through all the scum teams. Knock them all out one by one. Newton Heath, etc. I'm sure there's others. All right, well, we'll find out what happens in that one. And we will speak to you next week. Cheers for listening. Speak to you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 